Today on the Zapecast, a slow start to Super Week 2019. I will give you the best 30-some-odd minutes I can because I've had a few cocktails and it's late. We'll talk NFL Media Day or opening night. We'll talk Alex Smith. We'll talk barstool shenanigans. And we'll talk about how to beat the lottery legally or at least how two old people did in Michigan. A bonus 30-some-odd minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Wednesday, January 30th, 2019. Thank you for downloading, and you are looking live at my hotel room outside the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport. And by outside the airport, I mean literally, I, if I had a grape, or no, if I had a, if I had an orange or a tennis ball, not that I would, but I could throw it and bounce it off the nose of a Delta 757 parked right outside my window, right outside my balcony. Airport's quiet right now. It'll be loud in the morning. It'll probably wake me up. If if you were somebody that didn't sleep very soundly, you would not want the room that I have. But of course, this room and, and me starting with this bitching down here in Atlanta for Super Bowl week is just, you know, it's what we do in the media. We bitch about things. First of all, I'm a little bit drunk. I got to be honest with you. I was at the so-called media party which I was almost like, I don't know if I want to go to this thing or not. Because many, many years ago, the NFL would have a media party, and it would be like a hospitality suite at some media HQ hotel, and it would be lame-o. And I was like, I don't want to go to this thing. But this party tonight was at the Georgia Aquarium, the world-famous Georgia Aquarium, which is one of the biggest, most fantastic aquariums. They've got three giant whale sharks. I think they're whale sharks that swim around this huge tank. And they're magnificent. They're spectacular. It's a hell of an aquarium, world-famous. I actually took my family all the way down to Georgia here two years ago for spring break. We just came down for the aquarium, basically, in the Coca-Cola Museum. And I forget what else we did in town. It wasn't a whole lot, basically. I did play, excuse me, I told you I've been drinking tonight. I did play Atlanta Athletic Club, so there was that. Very nice with my man, Lawyer Dave. Still, you know, it was April, so it was still kind of dormant Bermuda, overseeded fairways and tees. I know, it's rough. Anyway. So they're expanding the aquarium. There's a ton of construction outside. But inside, it's incredible. They held a huge party where we just had the run of the museum. Uh, Anyone in the media, probably 500 people at least, if not more. Everything was free. I kept saying to my, my guys, hey, you know, these drinks are free, you know. That food over there, that's free. They had these uh, very she-she, high-end food stations, including um, they had duck. They had duck on what is called bad rolls or bow, bow rolls, B-A-O. 
Yeah, not it. The sign made it look like bad, but it was really bow, b a o, and these little bread tacos were like this rubbery bread that had not been fully cooked. But my God, it was delicious. All you can eat, desserts. All you can eat, drinks, bars, open bar, open bar, open bar, all over the place. And, of course, the running joke that I've established for the entire trip here is to keep a list of things I'm going to complain about. (laughs) Just petty complaints. Because, again, that's what we do in the media. We complain. And you people out there listening go, shut the fuck up. Seriously? You are on a business trip at the Super Bowl where you get to meet and talk to players and celebrities and maybe go to the game itself, and you're bitching? Why, yes, I am. Like, complaint, here's a complaint for you. You know what Confucius once said? It is not the mountain that wears you out in front of you. It is the grain of sand in your shoe. So in this hotel room at the lovely Renaissance Concourse Airport, which is literally off runway 6C, looking at the airplanes flying out right in front of me. Um, the, the television, which is high def, I'll give them that, has a remote control that, get this, does not have a mute button. What? Fuck off, man. Really? No mute button? I'm sitting here. I'm trying to work. I'm watching stuff on the internet, looking at clips on Twitter and whatnot. Mute. I, I, I go, where's the mute button? Oh, no, you gotta, you got to press the volume all the way down. Volume, 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 volume. And instead of just sitting on the volume and then it going all the way down to zero, no, you got to keep pressing it for some reason. Again, I'll find, I'll find things to bitch about. You, you betcha. The, uh, the cover band at the NFL media party, eh, not that good really. Got to be honest with you. I kept listening to him going, wait, does that sound like Michael Jackson's PYT? pretty young thing it is wow i had to listen really really hard to tell what the fuck you were playing Mm. that means you're not nailing it as a band also i asked for a jack or i asked for a captain and diet uh we don't have captain morgan really and you call yourselves the national football league actually i uh when I checked in to get my credential at the media center, they gave me the credential, no problem. And I was like, so this is it, huh? Because usually the NFL would give everyone who would, had a media credential a little bit of swag, like a notebook. They, would, they used to give you notebooks that were covered in a fake NFL football leather that said NFL on the shield, had the NFL shield on the cover of it. That's kind of cool, notebook and Maybe a koozie or keychain or just shit, you know, swag. Stuff we all get. And I looked at the gal behind the counter. I was like, so this is it, huh? You don't get anything? She's like, no, no. And she was young enough that she hadn't been around long enough, 10, 15, 20 years, to know back when the NFL used to give us swag. And so she was sort of perplexed. And I looked at her and I said, is this league okay? Are are you guys going to make it? I'm kind of worried about you. Just kind of busting balls and she laughed and I said ah you know what trust me that's the last thing I need funny though about swag 
you say to yourself, I don't need this. I know this is not going anywhere. This is going right in a closet somewhere. I'm never going to use it. I'm going to end up giving it away to somebody or just throwing it away. Why do I want it? Shit. But then there's that instinct of swag. I got to get it. Stuff we all get. The big G. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Free shit. So anyway, here we are in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, it's too cold here, by the way. There's another complaint. Boom, put it on the board. Nothing against Atlanta. I think they'll do a good job of hosting this game. 99.9% of you, if not greater, will never go to an NFL city for a Super Bowl. So this doesn't apply to you. But it applies to us in the media. Stop sending us places that are not warm. Like, as soon as they get this L.A. stadium built, which will be in two years, I believe, and the Vegas stadium, which is in a year? I don't know about that. Give it a year or two for both. Once those two stadiums are built, I'm telling you right now, here's the rotation of Super Bowl cities if I were Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL. West to east, it would go like this. L.A., Vegas, Arizona, Dallas, New Orleans, Tampa, Miami, done. That's it. L.A., Vegas, Arizona, Dallas, New Orleans, Tampa, Miami, done. That's it. Well, well, you know, Atlanta's pretty good. It's not too cold. No, no, no. No, it's not warm enough. It's not warm enough. Make the Super Bowl city a magical place. Now you're going to say Dallas. Dallas, Zabe, is done. You know, the ice storm last time Jerry had it there. That was unfortunate. Dallas is such a good city, and it's usually not icy. And Jerry World is such a great venue. You got to include Dallas in the mix. Now, New Orleans got taken out of the mix after the 2013 Super Bowl in which the lights went out. You remember that, the Harbowl between Jimmy and Johnny Harbaugh. Kind of puts a dent in the NFL wanting to bring the game back to a city where they can't keep the stadium lights on for an entire game. So that's unfortunate because to go to New Orleans for a Super Bowl is phenomenal. You don't want to spend any more than one week on Bourbon Street. In fact, that's too much. A couple days is more than enough. But it's all right there. It's all compacted downtown. It's a, it's a great city to host the Super Bowl. I'd have it in San Diego as well, but uh, they sort of moved their football team out of town, so that would be uh, awkward. But San Diego was a great city as well to have the game. All right, you're getting 30 minutes tonight before I go to bed, and you're going to like it. So now that I've wasted the first 10 on nonsense, let's get down to some sports talk, people. What do you say? Let's start with a tip of the cap to the boys at Barstool, who did it again. Dave Portnoy, El Presidente, who has been banned from all NFL events, along with PFT commenter and Big Cat, somehow somehow got fake credentials and got into so-called opening night at the NFL, you know, the first night, the, the media day, basically, for the NFL. 
Portnoy, who is a lot of people hate him. I look at him like, you know what? The guy did build Barstool Sports into a major digital sports brand out of the hustle of starting it as a as a newspaper that he would hand out on the corner of, you know, subway stops in Boston. I, I respect that hustle. He is also, I think, playing a bit of a character in the shit that he puts out there on social media. Maybe just a bit of a character, because I, I really sense a lot of it is genuine. He looks genuinely like an asshole. Like, if I were to run into him and introduce myself, he would take two seconds and be like, yeah, you're not important, fuck off, nice to meet you, see you later. Maybe not even nice to meet you. That said, I love it when they get, you know, they've been thrown out of the NFL's media week and, you know, the official radio row, so... (laughs) He was able to get a fake credential and bust in. And he starts running amok, asking all these questions that are very impolite, not even asking questions with certain Rams players, but arguing with them. And, of course, he's a big Boston sports fan, big Patriot fan. And so he's talking shit to Indomitian Sue saying, you know, you've been voted the dirtiest player in the NFL, and as a as a Patriot guy, I'm going to be watching for you on Sunday. So let's not try any of that stuff against Tom Brady, okay, because we're all watching you, all right? <laughs> and Ndamukong Sue just looks at him and says, have a nice day. He then ripped Todd Gurley for the time that he took a knee at the one-yard line and cost betters a lot of money, not only on the side in that game earlier this year, and I forget against who it was, but also boning all the over betters who were like cheering, going, yay, Gurley's running for a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, no, not no more, he ain't. And he goes down at the one. It was the smart football play, but it was a bad gambling play. And so Portnoy's giving him shit about that, saying, do you think you're cursed because of that? And how do you feel about costing all these guys, all these betters money and blah, blah, blah. Okay, mildly funny. So after doing this for pretty much the entire Ram session, which is about an hour, Word got out that, oh, shit, these guys from Barstool are in here. The disguise that Portnoy used was so funny. He's already got a beard, but, uh, you know, kind of a a medium thickness beard. (laughs) But he got this fake mustache that was so cheesy. And it was falling off. And he had a hat, a puffy trucker hat, puffy in front, mesh in the back, that said, I heart Goodell. Jeans, shirt, thin black tie, walking around. Nobody looked twice at him until they're like, oh, my God, this might be the guy that's been banned. I think they're the only media outlet that's ever been kicked out or ever been banned from the NFL's so-called Radio Row and or Media Day. It's so stupid because... The rest of Media Day was an exercise in complete and other nonsense, which it's been the case with this event for years now. Every TV outlet, Late Show, Tonight Show, Cable Channels, ESPN, you name it, sends out their people to do stunts and ask wacky questions and have kids ask questions and have people dressing up in costumes and whatnot. They used to hold this on Tuesday of Media Week or Tuesday of the week of the Super Bowl, and it was always at the stadium. 
So we'd go to the stadium and kind of see the field, see the stadium, and like, okay, this is kind of cool, whatever. And then you'd be able to ask players questions on their respective podiums or in the stands. And it was fine. You could get some things asked. And it became sillier and sillier as the years went on. And then the NFL said, ooh, we could sell tickets to this, which they are. I mean, imagine paying money to go to opening night. And they put the players on the Jumbotron inside a basketball arena, not the football stadium, but in the basketball arena. And they pipe the audio over there, and they give special access to NFL network people to come there and interview the guys. And so every question I heard almost to whether it was a coach or a player or whomever, every question was sort of lobbed at them from afar because there was also a barrier between the person on the podium of about five feet and then the throng of media members shouting questions at them. And to make it worse is they played other interviews on the Jumbotron in the stadium with the the speakers blaring so you couldn't hear the questions. And they didn't give the questioners microphones either, so there wasn't that. In other words, the NFL has fucked up media day as silly and as pointless as it is they've still found a way to fuck it up and something that's silly and pointless they still have standards in which they ban barstool sports and so they sent security goons out to round up el presidente and round up pft commenter and say that's it you're out of here they said they i think they said they were charged with criminal trespass i'm not sure if those charges are being dropped or not but uh it's just it's so NFL. As good a job as they did on the media party, you got to lighten up on media day and maybe don't hold it Monday at night. Maybe put it back to Tuesday. Don't blare interviews over the PA so there can be an actual exchange of conversation and questions. I used to be in the, the media scrum that was trying to get sound bites back in the 1990s. Jesus, I'm old. Uh, for one-on-one sports, I, I like jerry-rigged a telescoping pole with a microphone on it so I could like lean over the scrum and then put the fishing pole up to a player and get some audio and be like, oh, oh, I got some good audio from Jerry Rice. Here, listen to this question. Different world these days, different world. While I'm complaining about stuff here at the Super Bowl, let me put this one on the list as well. The Super Bowl logo has been completely ruined. Did I already talk about this? I feel like I've talked about this. Maybe I did here on the Zabecast. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'll make it to the commissioner's press conference, which is Wednesday. Oh, by the way, so as you're listening to this, he'll be talking this morning. I'd like to ask him, whose idea was it? Whose idea was it to just change the logo and make it now a generic thing? The last three Super Bowl logos have been L-I, L-I-I, and L-I-I-I. I'm ready to buy some shit. Some good logoed merchandise. Hats, shirts, pullovers, quarter zips, you name it. But not with this logo looking the way it is. So maybe the question to Goodell will be, uh, Mr. Commissioner, who decided to change the logo scheme for the NFL, for the Super Bowl, from a unique individual piece of art into a corporatized rubber stamp affair and will you ever think about turning it back because right now it's terrible i'll sit down and listen to your your answer yeah that's good save you should go ahead and uh, ask him that 
yeah, but then I have to wake up early and go put on a decent shirt, get to the media center early. Lazy bum. Alex Smith, what are the Redskins going to do with Alex Smith? Uh, Nothing. In fact, I talked to a, let's just call him a prominent West Coast-based television and radio sports media personality who said his representation at Creative Artists Agency, or CAA, a very powerful agency in the world of sports and entertainment, said he told him, and he told me this, he goes, because he knows I'm from D.C., he goes, listen, my guy at CAA says Alex Smith will never play football again. He almost lost his leg due to complications with infection. And I said, okay, good to know. Even though that's kind of stuff we already knew already here in D.C., Still, though, it's further data, further data points, further sort of atmospherics, sort of further rumors that say it's not going to happen. So this brings up the so-called nuclear option, which is what do you do now? And my answer has been simple all along. It stays that way, and that is cut them. Cut them and eat the cap hit. Eat it all right now. That's $50 million of cap hit in one calendar year one league season oh you can't do that Zabe you won't have a team to play with fuck I won't you don't think I can get league minimum players to fill the positions or UDFAs undrafted free agents of course I can guess what you might be shocked about how good they might play or how well they might play no I'm serious the, the sooner the better the only way out is through Or as they say, if you're going through hell, keep going. What must be done eventually should be done immediately. This is the way to go. Cut a bunch of guys, clear a bunch of space, eat all of Alex's money, and then start over in 2020. I can't tell you how excited I would be as a Redskin fan if they were to do this. If they were to go ahead and win two games this coming season. And then as the calendar flipped to 2020, the Redskins had a good-looking salary cap balance sheet, the number one, number one pick in the draft. I just and, – and a new coach, by the way, because we're going to cash out Jay. New coach, number one, number one pick, and a salary cap sheet that looks nice and clean to start over with to figure out who does deserve money, who doesn't. Oh, my God. Be the best thing ever. That said, I've got very little confidence that Dan Snyder has the balls to do it. How's the weather up there in Wisconsin, my people? Cold? Yeah, it looks kind of cold. Here comes the withering Arctic punch. Not that bad snow-wise, according to my boy Gitter. Got about 8, 10 inches, something like that. Blowing snow, very cold, zero degrees. But now here we go. We're going to plunge down to minus 15, minus 20, minus 25, even before the so-called wind chill, so-called. We all know the wind chill is a made-up thing by meteorologists just to say, oh, it's colder than you think. Schools are closed. 
Some people have been emailing me saying, you know what? It's not that bad, Zabe. Come on. It's Wisconsin. It's cold. It's colder than normal. We'll, we'll, we'll survive. We'll figure it out. I know. I know. Keep me posted, though, on the uh, either the mayhem that's going on, frozen pipes, frozen fuel lines, and or maybe just the non-mayhem that's going on. I, I want to live vicariously through this deep freeze where I don't actually have to live through the deep freeze, but I, uh, I want to hear about it. So hunker down, Wisconsin. Hunker down, Minnesota. Hunker down, upper Midwest. Get through this sucker punch from that polar vortex, and you'll be okay on the other side. LeBron James, let's have a discussion about his drinking. My, my, my. Video tonight on social media of him sipping from a dark bottle on the bench wearing a very good-looking three-piece suit. And it's apparently wine. Maybe. Doesn't look like water. Probably wine. You know, LeBron James is into wine now because all rich people are into wine. You know, they have their own wine and their own labels and whatnot. Uh, He was seen sipping a glass of wine walking into the arena, which was something that I said, man, seriously? the fuck? There are still kids that watch sports that are aware of everything. Do we really have to show them, hey, it's okay to be drinking alcohol before a game? Oh, Zabe, it's just a glass of wine. What's the big deal? Okay. We'll let that one go. Now LeBron James apparently sipping wine on the bench. We cool with that? Is that good? Is that role model worthy? Be interesting to see tomorrow what the reaction is and see whether or not LeBron says, that wasn't wine, that was an energy drink or something like that. We'll see, but it just, I think I've been very fair to LeBron James. I have not killed him as much as I could for certain things because I want to believe the best in LeBron James, but it's getting harder and harder. The whole reaction to that Jewish money thing where he professed to be unaware that that was an insult in any way, shape, or form really struck me as, okay, wow, can't believe you claim to be all worldly and you've got your own multi-billion dollar representation business and you didn't know that that Jewish money was in fact a slur of sorts okay and Anthony Davis has been fined $50,000 because you're not allowed to say I demand a trade while you're under contract the NBA sort of frowns on that I talked to a former program director of our station here in D.C., Dan Zampillo. He's now out in L.A., I believe it's 710 ESPN in Los Angeles, California. And I said, so honestly, how is the talk of the Rams in the Super Bowl? Is it really dominating your sports radio airwaves? And he said, nah, it really isn't. I wish it was, but it really isn't. We're going to take more time as a fan base to get there. I said, okay, fine. I said, well, what are you talking about? He says, honestly, 80% of our show Tuesday was about Anthony Davis demanding a trade because the Lakers are in line theoretically to get him if they can pull this off before Boston is able to swoop in and take him instead. Something tells me, though, that the Pelicans, who are kind of pissed off about this, might just say, well, 
we don't we're agnostic as to where he ends up going. We'd actually prefer him in the east instead of the west. So we're not gonna make the late we're not gonna do the Lakers any favors by dropping this turd in the punch bowl midseason to us. So the chances of us trading him to the Lakers, which are already slim maybe, unless they broke the bank with a you know compensation coming back. And I'm not even sure what you could give New Orleans that would make them go, okay, let's do this. Maybe it made them dig in even more, and now they're going to go like, fuck it, we're not going to trade. We're not going to trade them now. We're going to wait till the deadline passes, and then Boston can come in and make us an even better offer. And yeah, and that's our payback to you. But that's the talk of L.A., not the Rams right now in the Super Bowl. Be interesting to see if this LeBron James sipping wine on the bench thing gets traction. I'm watching it again. It's a bra- it's a black bottle. Looks like a water bottle. And he's just taking gentle sips. And he's holding it in his mouth. Eh. The two po- the, the several posts I've seen have said that it's wine. Something tells me it probably is. Josh Gordon is going to get a ring even though he is currently still in inpatient drug treatment, formerly of the New England Patriots. I guess this is a good thing, that they're still looking at him like, you know what, you're, you're battling demons, you're battling addiction. And if we win, you'll still get a ring. Of course, I think any player who is on the roster for at least X number of games gets a ring if their team wins a Super Bowl. Josh Gordon, good luck to you, my friend. Sean McVay has been the talk of Atlanta because, did you know, in addition to him being a savant, in addition to him having a photographic memory of plays and down and distance and everything else from previous NFL seasons, he used to be a stud quarterback here in Atlanta. In fact, state high school player of the year in Atlanta. So a local TV reporter got some plays for him and quizzed him on the spot on Monday night at media day. And so they go, Hey Sean, do you remember at, uh, and I forget his high school, but <laughs> do you remember, uh, you know, semifinals, senior year state, you know, playoffs third and 10 on the 20 yard line tie game, fourth quarter against so-and-so. And McVeigh, sure enough, said, yep, uh, that was Wham Right X-Rocket Zoom. I rolled out to my right, I hit, hit, hit my receiver who did a good job shaking free, and then I got walloped on the sidelines. And they show the, play, they show the play on TV, and it's like, son of a bitch, yeah, that's it. The guy absolutely <laughs> has an amazing memory. On the crime blotter, look at this. Maybe Lucky Whitehead should finally change his name to Unlucky Whitehead. Lucky Whitehead was a wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys briefly, then was with the Jets most recently, and he was unlucky enough, despite his name being Lucky Whitehead, to have a guy get arrested in Virginia who claimed to be the real Lucky Whitehead. He was not. He was able to give police his actual address and his social security number and so there was this big mix-up. Well, turns out the real Lucky Whitehead has now, in fact, been arrested in Virginia for speeding, suspected DUI, 
failing to drive with a license and registration and who knows what else. What are the chances that a guy named Lucky Whitehead would have a guy claiming to be him that gets arrested and then he himself gets arrested, oh, a year and a half later? Something else. Dateline tattoos. I don't know how many people listening have tattoos. Funny, I had my first tattoo conversation with my 16-year-old daughter the other day. In fact, we were, I was driving her to the car dealership because I bought, I bought my 16-year-old daughter a car. Kind of a nice father-daughter moment. I think everyone who has kids my age or older knows, oh, yeah, I remember that. Of course, not every kid gets a car bought for them. Many kids have to save up money through paper routes and babysitting to afford a car. But ended up buying my daughter a Subaru Outback. 2015, had about 89,000 miles. It was 16 grand, something like that. The wife wanted a Subaru because of their reputation for safety. I like the fact that they do have, they, they claim to have all-time all-wheel drive, which is superior to, say, the Civic, or excuse me, the uh, Honda CRV, which has on-demand all-wheel drive, so that, you know, the, the Subarus probably perform a little better in wet traction. Anyway, we go to the dealership as we're driving there, my daughter and I, uh, just was giving her shit about stuff, and I said, so... What about tattoos? You're never going to get a tattoo, are you? And she goes, nah, not yet, I don't think. And I go, whoa, 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 not yet. How about never? (laughs) She immediately started to shut down like, Dad, please don't talk about this. And I go, but I want to talk about this. You're really going to get a tattoo. Hey, look, if you have tattoos, that's great. I'm happy for you, whatever. But these guys that I'm looking at right here, these guys are taking it to the next level. Two guys, apparently, at least two people, maybe more, have already gotten tattoos. One, a Patriot fan saying, you know, the Patriots logo, Super Bowl 53 champs. Another Rams fan has gotten a tattoo that says Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl 53 champs. What do you do if you have that tattoo and your team does not win? Do you keep it the way it is and still show it off like, yep, I I had a really good feeling about the game. I couldn't wait. You probably brag about it more like, I'm so crazy, I'll get a tattoo of my favorite team winning even before the game is played because that's how confident I am. Or... Do you make sure the tattoo design is such that the Super Bowl champion part can be strategically blacked out or changed so that it doesn't read that when it's all said and done? Good question. I don't know. Oh, hey, look at this. 36 minutes and 24 seconds with a little pause time in between. I think I've met my requisite 30 minutes for you people. You people. Really, Zabe? That's what you're calling us, you people. Hey, man, I forgot to do the podcast today. I got lazy. Then I went to the media party, and I drank free booze from Roger Goodell. Sue me. Better podcast coming tomorrow. Maybe. We'll end on this. 
I watched 60 Minutes on Sunday for the first time, you know, front to back, stem to stern, the whole show, in a long time. And it's a good show, despite its ideological leanings that I think we're all aware of. That said, there was a story about Jerry and Marge. Forget the title of the story. Jerry and Marge Selby of Michigan figured out how to legally bet beat the lottery. Legally beat the Michigan State Lottery. And they went to town on said lottery. Basically, if you haven't seen the story, it works like this. There is something called a windfall game in which if a jackpot for the state lottery reached a certain threshold, I think it was $5 million, and nobody had claimed the prize, that all that money cascaded down, get it, windfall, so that instead of getting six, instead of getting six numbers to win the lottery, six matches out of six, you'd win a certain amount of money if you got five, and a certain amount if you got a certain amount of money if you got four, and a certain amount of money if you got three. And so this guy Jerry Selby, who ran a convenience store for years with his wife Marge, did some quick math and realized, hey. If we buy enough tickets, if we buy in volume, the odds are in our favor. And so for the next seven or eight or nine years, I think it was, they started a syndicate in which they had family members and friends pool their money and they bought a shitload of state lottery tickets. And they took the lottery to the cleaners. In fact, it was they were so good at beating the lottery because of the math involved, nobody else had really done the math to go, okay, as soon as the windfall is activated, just bet as much as you can. You'll make it back. You might put $300,000 into lottery tickets for an upcoming drawing, but simple math says you're going to get back $450,000. You're going to win one hundred and fifty grand. Get after it. Throw it in volume. So they were so good, and I think, the game, people realized the game was not working, that Michigan shut down their version of that game. Well, Massachusetts was doing a similar game, so Jerry and Marge said, well, why don't we just drive to Massachusetts whenever the lottery gets to a certain point, and we'll do the same thing in Massachusetts. And sure enough, they did. They did that for another couple of years. I believe 60 Minutes said that the two of them made about $27 million over the course of nearly nine years with friends and family and everything else. Pretty amazing. Not as simple as winning $100 million, $200 million, $300 million with one single you know, Powerball ticket, but it was a methodical takedown of the lottery that was awesome. And the state's attorney general in Massachusetts swung into action because a lot of the lottery tickets were being sold, a lot of the winning tickets were being sold at a handful of convenience stores right across the border. And they found out, they're like, no, there's nothing illegal going on here. Nothing's been rigged. It's just these two retirees from Michigan, they figured out the numbers. Also, Jerry and Marge made sure to save every losing ticket in giant tubs, in big Tupperware, not in Tupperware, but big plastic storage bins. And it was because Jerry said, look, we wanted to make sure we could survive an audit 
if people said, hey, wait a minute, how are you winning all these lotteries? Are you cheating? Do you have somebody on the inside rigging the computers doing this? What's going on? No. He could say, here, here's all our losing tickets, our physical losing tickets in giant storage tubs. Suck on it and like it. It's a good story. Probably find it at 60minutes.com or cbs.com 60 minutes. Jerry and Marge, God bless them. Okay, I'm going to bed if that's okay for everybody. I gave you my best 33 and a half minutes or whatever this time's out at for your podcast, for your ZabeCast, for Wednesday morning, January 30th in Atlanta, Super Bowl 53. I will do harder, I will get more sound. I'll get a guest for tomorrow. I will do whatever it takes to make you people happy, to keep you coming back for more right here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Subscribe, download, get ready for an awesome Football Five Ways Friday, our final one of the year. Me and Mr. X going to take down the Super Bowl with prop bets, kind of like Marge and Jerry took down the lottery. So go to zabe.com slash subscribe. Have yourself a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. January. Can't